And hello and welcome to Rich Sports Talk. Sports Talk worth a million. I'm your host, Nolan Rich. Thank you so much for joining us here today. And the NBA free agent season has come and gone. And of course, now we get the big news out of Philadelphia that they are extending one of their biggest players. So much to talk about. But I wanted to get into this before I get into the NBA offseason as a whole and what it means going forward. Now, I've been saying this for a little bit of a while, but I'm a big fan of Ben Simmons. You know, I think that he is a very good guard. I think he needs to develop a jump shot. He needs to develop an outside shot. But to me, I said, look, if you had to choose between Embiid and Ben Simmons, because I do think Philadelphia is going to get to that point, I say you would go with Simmons. Younger, better defender on the perimeter, and can drive to the basket and sub three-point shooting. To me, the Sixers have made a decision. They've given him a max contract for Ben Simmons. Reading into this, it's telling me they are all in on Simmons. I did hear a couple of other members of the media saying, well, they could trade this contract. It'd be an incredibly attractive offer to trade. But here's the thing. I think that they are making it clear that Ben Simmons is the guy. And I also think they are saying... If you want to give us a good offer for Joel Embiid, we will listen. Now, I know Sixers fans are probably screaming at me right now saying, are you kidding me? Embiid's unstoppable. He is a great player. He's one of the most dominant players in the paint in the NBA. I'm not denying his talent, but there's a lot of problems with Embiid. First is the health. He's missed more than half of the potential games he was supposed to play. He's played in less than 50% of the games he could have played in the NBA. That's not good for health. And from my experience watching every sport, if you're injured when you're young, it's very rare that all of a sudden you find health in later years. Bigs in basketball, they have a shorter shelf life. They're the running backs of the NFL. They have a shorter window. When you look at guys that can shoot, when you look at guys that can play the perimeter, they have a longer career. Big guys, they wear down. People, we're not supposed to be seven feet tall. We're not built to be that big and take that kind of punishment. You look at big guys, they tend to break down. Unless you're a finesse guy like Dirk Nowitzki who can shoot from the outside, if you're banging on the blocks, you get beat up. You get nagging injuries. It hurts. That's why you see why they have a shorter shelf life. Personally, I think Simmons is going to have a longer shelf life than Embiid. Once again, I think he needs to develop the ability to shoot, but I do think it's something he can learn. And even if he doesn't become a great shooter, he's a good drive-to-the-basket guard. He can kick it out. He can set up the three-point shot. And more importantly, to me, he's a great perimeter defender. I really like Ben Simmons' game. And you could see when Embiid was off the floor, Simmons was more comfortable. I think moving forward... Philadelphia is going to come to the decision halfway through next year that they need more shooters, and I think Embiid would be enticing for teams that have shooters. I think he's a great star power, and I understand that Philadelphia fans, he's incredibly popular in that city. But you look at the roster right now, Philadelphia has great talent. On paper, they're one of the top two teams in the East. I don't think that's without question. But the problem is the way they've built the roster. The way they've built the roster... I'm not sure if it's going to work. I do think they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to win a lot of games. But to win a championship, they need three-point shooting, and they don't have that. They lost their best shooter already in J.J. Redick. 
they took their biggest strength and they just continue to add to it. That's post players and big guards down low. I mean, they gave the extension to Tobias Harris. They brought Al Horford. I mean, you look, they just keep bringing in bigs and bigs and bigs and just stacking the lane. And that's where Ben Simmons wants to go. He wants to drive to the lane. And I think that this investment shows that he's going to be the guy. But if I'm the Sixers, my project is try to get shooters and then B get you a great shooter or two. I would make that deal. Because right now, I don't think his value has been higher. Now, do they trade him right now? I don't think so. I think they'll trade him in season. But with Embiid, I understand how talented he is, but he can't stay healthy. He cannot stay healthy. If he has another major injury, his value is just going to continue to go down. And let's not forget in the postseason, I know he had a couple great games, but how many games did you hear that he had an ankle, a knee, and a back treatment? That's like the bingo of bad luck for bigs. Feet and ankles, back and knee. Those are the three things you do not want, and he has those nagging injuries. Look, I understand he is an incredibly popular player in that city, and he will be dominant. There are nights he will look like he's one of the top players in the world. But to me, Ben Simmons, this investment to me, tells me they got their two building blocks, Tobias Harris and Simmons. To me, Embiid's kind of the third wheel at the moment, and if I was the Sixers, it doesn't have to be today, it doesn't have to be this offseason, but if especially if Embiid has a good start, I would try to trade him to get some good shooters, because that is what that this team is missing. They have great defense right now. They have great size. They're great inside. I like a lot of things, but the one key missing ingredient for this to really be a championship team, they need shooters. This is a shooters league. You need a guy or a couple of guys that can hit threes. And right now, the Sixers team, they don't have it. I think that they are incredibly closer than a lot of people give them credit for. If you give them a great three-point shooter, heck, if you give them two good three-point shooters, I think that they're better than Milwaukee, and I think they should be the favorite out of the East. Just because of their depth, their size, their ability to play defense. I love this team, except the fact that they don't have a great three-point shooter. There were times when you saw it in that Toronto series. They were desperately looking for a big shooter to come in, step up, and they didn't have that. And they lost their best shooter already in Reddick. This is a team that if this was the 1970s, this team would be great. But it's 2019. You need to be able to shoot the three-point ball. And I do think Simmons can develop a jump shot, but even if he doesn't, I think he's a great passing guard. He's a good driver. And in order for him to be the best, you got to get some of those big buys out of the way. I think you can move on from Embiid. And look, Philadelphia, I know that you're mad at me for suggesting this, but if I was to tell you, you trade Embiid, you get a couple good shooters, and you win a title or two, isn't that worth it? I mean, this is the process, right? The process should not stop until you win a championship. The process isn't over. The process is over when you win a title. And to me, you need to get shooters. And your best asset to do that is Joel Embiid. I want to talk about this for a little bit before we end the show today. A lot of people over the last couple of years have been telling me, and I keep hearing from NBA fans, basketball fans, and even sport fans in general, there's no parity in the NBA. We don't enjoy the NBA more because there's no parity. And I said this to a lot of people. Number one... Dynasties aren't bad for the NBA. In fact, you can make the case the entire popularity of the league was built on the rivalry of the Lakers and the Celtics. 
So I don't believe that dynasties are necessarily a bad thing for basketball. But the other thing I brought up that some people don't believe me, but when you really look at it, it's true. Sports are cyclical. Okay? They're like stocks. There are ebbs and there are flows. And we see this all the time in different leagues and in the NBA. You see it for a couple of years. It could maybe even be longer. It could be a decade where you see two or three great dynasties. And then it comes back to an equilibrium. And I think we're having that now with this offseason. You can see it in college football. You can see it in every other sports. Expansion's a great example. Think about all the expansion and relocation there were, was in the 90s for sports. Then it kind of sell. You didn't see any professional teams moving in the 2000s. Now as you get to the end of this decade, we're seeing expansion in hockey. We're seeing teams looking to move in baseball. We've seen teams move in the NFL. We're seeing teams potentially moving in the NHL. I mean, there's a lot more movement of franchises now because the dust settled for about 10 to 15 years. When you look at sports, there are cycles with relocation, with expansion, with dynasties. And I think the NBA is a great example. When you looked at the 90s, it was the Bulls and it was the Jazz and it was the Rockets. You had three or four incredible teams that really were the only title contenders. Then it settled for a while. You had a lot of good teams in the 2000s. And then you had LeBron come in and be a dynasty gang to eight straight finals. Then you had the Warriors. Now it's come back to an equilibrium. And it's come to a point where there's a lot of great parity. I said the biggest winner for this offseason was the fans. Because we have great parity in the NBA. And even teams that aren't good next year, there's intrigue to them. New Orleans is interesting because of Zion. Memphis is interesting because of John Morant. The Knicks are interesting because of R.J. Barrett. There's a lot of great things to watch in the NBA. And more importantly, I think the NBA has found a model that works incredibly well in terms of mobility. I know a lot of people in small markets complain about the mobility because they don't want these stars to leave. But if you're a basketball fan as a whole... This offseason for the NBA was incredible seeing all these pieces move. And to be honest, it's kind of a good thing. For about 10 years, it was all about the big threes, right? It started with Boston, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. And then it became the big three in Miami with LeBron, with Dwayne Wade, with Chris Bosh. Then it was the big three and the redone three in Golden State. First was Steph then with Clay and Draymond, then with Kevin Durant and Steph and Clay. Then you had LeBron going back to Cleveland with his big three of Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. But the thing with the threes, now you have a situation where it's all about duos. Stars still want to play with other stars, but now they only need two. This is great for the NBA for a couple of reasons. Number one, you get more stars on more teams. When you looked at Golden State, they had four of the biggest stars in the world. Now, at least with Kevin Durant leaving, it's spaced out. You have more stars in more places. Number two, it adds more parity to the league. There's a lot more different teams and a lot of better teams. The third thing it does is makes teams usually better. The problem with a lot of the big threes was their benches were horrible. Now you have better all-around teams. And for some of these stars, 
I think what you're going to see with the load management is they're going to flip-flop stars. They're not all going to – there's going to be a couple nights a year where maybe they both sit out. But I think, like, for example, what you'll see with the Clippers is Paul George will play a night, Kawhi will play a night, they'll flip off and on, maybe a couple nights they play together. So the big thing I'm interested to see is how many stars will continue to sit out. If this helps eliminate that because they can flip-flop a little bit more because now these teams have more of a bench and they have more depth, so they're more competitive in regular season games, that'd be good for the fans because my biggest complaint and the biggest problem to me in the NBA wasn't tanking. It was the stars sitting out the big games. So if this helps alleviate that because now teams have more depth, they have more better players in terms of their three through their ten on their roster as opposed to just being a bunch of scraps and G-leaguers, now you have guys that they can take off a night but another star plays. I think that's great for the league because you still want to watch. You'll still watch if Paul George or Kawhi is playing with the Clippers in the regular season. If both are sitting off a night, that could be a problem. So I still think you have to wait to see about that. But in terms of parity, this is great. If I was to ask you as an NBA fan or even a basketball fan, who's winning the NBA title next year? I could have eight different answers. I could have eight different answers. If I was to ask you who's the most interesting team in the NBA, I'd probably get 14 to 15. There's still a lot of great storylines for these smaller teams. And to me, that was the biggest thing. Get teams last year that were unwatchable reasons to watch. R.J. Barrett in New York. He also kind of wanted to see the soap opera with the Knicks. But Zion in New Orleans. That team might not make the playoffs, but they have a lot of good young players and they have Zion. John Morant in Memphis, another big player you want to watch. Trey Young last year. He's now in Atlanta. You want to watch him play for the Hawks. The big thing now is not only do you have these great teams with these duos, but to me, the biggest problem with the NBA was getting people to watch and be interested. A couple years ago, if the Cavs, the Warriors, and the Spurs were on TV, no one really cared. Now, at least, you have a lot more teams, a lot more stars spread out, so more people will watch the regular season games. But even on bad teams, you have interesting, young, emerging players or stars that are coming into their own, even players that are just interesting and fascinating to watch. You couldn't pay people outside of the Big Easy, and probably even people in the Big Easy, to watch Pelican games last year, even with Anthony Davis. Now, people are going to want to watch Zion. Even the Knicks, R.J. Barrett, we're forgetting, he was the number one rated high school player over Zion. He's a very good player. And the Knicks, they're going full rebuild. They'll be incredibly interesting to watch. And no offense, they're kind of like a train wreck. And let's be honest, those are always entertaining to watch. So this NBA offseason has been great. It's added parity. It's added intrigue to the league. And I cannot wait for the seasons to start because I have no idea who's going to win this year's title. And it's just fascinating to watch. So many big deals. Of course, now Russell Westbrook in Houston. Chris Paul and OKC. I mean, there's so much good movement. And I understand some people don't like this movement, but I do. Because now there's about eight, nine, ten teams I really want to watch in the NBA. Last year it was hard even watching the great teams. Because, you know, Golden State, they were just kind of going through the motions during the regular season. They are like, oh, yeah, we'll be there. No problem. And really outside of injuries... They would have won this year's NBA title. But now next year, 
It's anyone's game, and I can't wait to see it. That's going to do it for this episode of Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Of course, on iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spreaker, wherever podcasts are available. Also, check us out on YouTube and social media using the handle Rich Sports Talk. But until next time, I'm your host, Nolan Rich, and this is Rich Sports Talk.